I guess uh, I guess the last time I had taught, we were we were in First Corinthians chapter one, and and uh, and we were talking about divisions. Um, Paul here, of course, is writing to the church uh, at Corinth, and uh, there in chapter one, he deals with division in the church. And and the last time we were here, we were talking about hey, uh, disagreement does not have to mean division, and we won't rehash all that, but uh, we, we all have some opinions. Would you agree? I got some opinions. We, but disagreeing doesn't have to divide us because what happens is division leads to contention. And then once we become contentious, that leads to forming alliances, and that's what he describes here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, so it, what did we learn in verse 10 there? It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That's what we talked about. It all, it, it all, all starts with our speech. Remember, I used the, the, uh, the example of, of Ethan and I. Um, if, if I didn't really like the song that Ethan sings today or, or yesterday or last week or whenever it was, if I didn't particularly like that song, there's no division there until it comes out of my mouth or I send him a text or I shoot him an email. And, and now I've made it public and now that, that could cause division if we don't squash that right quick. Now it's going to become contentious between us. And then the next thing you know, now I'm going to come over here and I'm going to form an alliance because me and Doug like this song. But, but Ethan likes those songs. And so you, you see how that works. And, and so that's what Paul is saying under inspiration of God is, hey, there's divisions among you. And here's how you avoid that, by speaking the same thing with the same mind, with the same judgment. In other words, keep the main thing, the main thing, it says in verse 10. And then down there in verse 13, he says, hey, he asked the question, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? So today, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up in uh, verse 17 and probably go down through about verse 21, possibly 22. Uh, verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So we'll stop right there. But uh, so, so based on after he's talking about, hey, there's division in the church. And, and he goes back in verse 16 and says, I baptize also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. He says, look, I, I, I didn't baptize anybody but uh, Crispus and Gaius. And, and, and then he gets into verse 17. He says, for Christ sent me not to baptize. Now, sent me not to baptize. Let's deal with that phrase first. Paul obviously understood his calling. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an applicable truth that, that we can gather from this right off the bat. Christ sent me not to baptize was Paul sent to baptize. He was sent to be a missionary, to be an evangelist, to preach the gospel. Hey, we'll leave the baptizing to somebody else. 
That's fine, but I understand my role. Paul's saying, listen, he sent me to not to baptize, not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Secondly, what can we understand from just those first three or four words of that verse? Baptism has nothing to do with the gospel or salvation. Do you agree with that? has nothing to do with salvation. How do you know that? For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The only way you're saved, hearing the gospel, responding to the gospel. He says, hey, he sent me not to baptize over here, but to preach the gospel over here. If they were the same thing, he would have said, he sent me to preach the gospel and to baptize. You follow me? So secondly, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. We understand that. But at the same time, it's also kind of a clear expectation to be baptized once we have saved, once we're saved, once we've believed. Because uh, what does it say in uh, Matthew 28, 19? Uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So, first four words. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Not with wisdom of words. Hey, there's no need to dazzle there's no need to make it flowery. There's no need to draw attention to yourself. Just be a, it's a simple message. So, so when, we, when we take that simple message and we try to fluff it up, make it flowery, and make it something that's about us or about the pre presentation as opposed to the proclamation, now we have made the, the, the message of the cross of none effect. We're taking away the message. We're taking away the power of the message and making about how we present it. That's what Paul's saying here. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, to herald the good news, to herald the message with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Hey, none effect there means to make empty. So, so, so we get up here, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. I can, I can tell you all this stuff and, and you don't hear anything but a bunch of noise. That's what he's saying. It makes it to none effect. It, it has no... Uh, it takes the worth away from the message of, the, of what... Uh, the focus of what Christ did on the cross. The, the presentation should definitely not interfere with a proclamation. So look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross... Now, the preaching here in this verse 18, preaching here, the Greek word there is logos. That's the words. That's the, that's the, the message of Jesus' crucifixion. So he's saying, for the, for the message, for the words, for the preaching of the cross is to them. And then he names two different people groups here. Okay? The preaching of the cross is to them that perish. All right, so you got one people group over here, to them that perish. Foolishness, but unto us, this is another people group which are saved. It's the power of God. So say, he's saying, look, this message, the words, the message of the cross, the preaching of the cross, is to them that perish. So what does that what does that people group perish mean there? Um, per, the, the perishing are this. That means to destroy, to put away entirely, to ruin. An eternal separation from God. So we got one people group that's perishing with no hope. Now, how can we relate that to where we are right now? It hadn't changed. 
then as it is now. Do you know there's people that have no hope? I mean, we talked about all the negativity and everything going on in our world. Listen, if we don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, what do we have? We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. So those that, that are perishing, it's foolish. And the Greek word there for, I've always wanted to use this. I guess this is my day. The Greek word for foolish, somebody tell me what it is. Morea. Morea. I guess I pronounced that right. And what word do we get for Morea? Moron. And there, that means folly, uh, literally stupid, idiotic, silliness, absurdity. So, so under the inspiration of God, what's Paul saying here? He said, look, the preaching of the cross, the message of the cross, the words you use to present the message, the gospel, the good news, is to them that perish, that have no hope, that are destroyed, going to have an eternal separation from God, it's foolishness. It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. It's silly. It makes no sense. I mean, we sound like morons to them as we present the gospel, the good news. That's what he's saying. So that people group doesn't get it. It doesn't get it at all. And by the way, the cross... Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a means of public execution, a symbol of shameful crimes and powerlessness. So the preaching of the cross, that message, is foolishness. But unto us, the other people group here, unto us which are saved. Now, I won't stop right there. You know, I've, I've heard, I understand what they're saying. I mean, I've heard preachers and teachers and uh, evangelists and whoever else say, you know, being scared of hell is not a great reason to get saved. Well, I'm just going to tell you, when I was 10 years old, do you know what brought me to the altar at Green Mountain Baptist Church? How many of you have heard that song, Lord, oh Lord, I want to go to heaven, because hell is an awful, awful place. So when we say we're saved, what are we saved from? They'll say, yeah, we're saved from eternal separation of God. Well, I'm just going to tell you, that's spiritually discerned. I don't understand if I'm separated from, 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 from God, but I did understand the lake of fire. I did understand there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I did understand where the worm dieth not. When, when you're 10, I can understand that. So you know what brought me to the altar? I was scared to death. I didn't want to go to hell. You follow me? To them that are saved. To them that are saved. So, you know, how can we be saved if we don't understand that we're lost? And where we're going if we don't accept the message and the person who can save us? Follow me? For under the preaching of the cross is to them it perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. It is the power of God. Of God, and it's such a simple message. But man, I tell you, if you can't get excited about the gospel and what Christ did for you, I tell you, I think that that needs to be our main focus. Again, in context here, think about where we just came from. Paul's talking about division. There's division among you. There's contention. Now we've created alliances. Hey, do squash all that mess. Get back to the main thing. The main thing. That's the gospel. 
That's the message of the cross. Get your focus on the message of the cross, and then we won't have to worry about being divided because now we'll speak the same thing. We'll have the same judgment. Those which are saved, it's the power of God. Now, that power, the power of God. Everybody knows, everybody can tell me what power, what, what's the Greek word for power? Dunamis. And where do we get, what, what word do we get from, from dunamis? Dynamite. So, so it's that kind of power. And, and sometimes we get so calloused to the amazing grace of what Christ did for us. Ah, dynamite. Dynamite. But if you really think about it, it's unbelievable. Why is it, why is it such power? It's power because God, the Father, who is all-powerful, limitless power, limitless authority, sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, manifested in the flesh, came to earth, and he presented him, and he presented himself as a sacrifice to die for our sins. Didn't have to. The Romans didn't put him on the cross. The Jews didn't put him on the cross, didn't keep him there. So, so, the, so the reason it's dynamite, the reason it's dunamis, is because the, the most powerful God, the Father, sent His only begotten Son to pay a sin debt we could not pay for us. Didn't have to do it. That's power. Power is doing something when you're not required to and you didn't have to. You follow me? That, that's why it's so powerful. He was not over, overpowered or outmatched by Jewish leaders or the Roman government. Jesus gave His life. They did not take it. Father sacrificed His only begotten Son to cover the sins of all mankind. That's why it's so powerful. Flip over real quick to uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. John 10, 17 and 18. This is power right here. This is power. Jesus said, Therefore, if my Father... Love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's power. You know, it says there somewhere in Romans, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of abbreviating here, but hey, the same power, again, we're going to talk about this power here in a few weeks, same power that, 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 that kept Jesus on the cross and the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives where? Right here. If we've accepted that uh, Christ is Savior and, and, and we put our faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, we have that same power. That is power. So Paul's saying here, hey, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, those that have no hope, it's foolishness. It sounds crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. It's silly to think 
that an all-powerful God would, would put His Son on a cross. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Look at verse 19. For it is written. Now anytime you see, you see there, it is written, is going to quote from the Old Testament. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, he's referencing, and he's referring back to Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 14, referencing a time when Israel followed supposedly wise human advice in forming an alliance with Egypt uh, for military purposes, uh, to strengthen their position, when really all they needed to do was, was, was trust God. We, we don't have time to go, go back into all that and study it out, and I'm not smart enough to teach it to you anyway. But here's what I will tell you. Practically, how many times have we used our own human wisdom? We figured some stuff out. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We, we, we thought we had it figured out. This is the way we should go. I mean, it makes the most perfect sense. But at the end of the day, his ways are not our ways. And our ways are not his ways. And his ways are smarter than our ways. And so... What he's saying here, Paul's saying, look, it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. In other words, uh, God will destroy human wisdom and make the wisdom of this world foolish. In other words, I'm going I'm to trip up the intelligent, the wise, and the learned. Think about the fall in Genesis 3. What was the fall all about? The fall was all about really the acquisition of knowledge, Right? To gain knowledge, the acquisition of knowledge. What he's saying here, Paul's saying, look, it, it's not about whether you're wise using your human wisdom, using your human intellect, how much you've studied, how much you've learned, are you intelligent or not. The wisdom of the wise will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So, so all, the, all the folks that are, that are studied up and, and trying to figure out in their own human wisdom what this is all about, I'm squashing all that wisdom. That has nothing to do with figuring out, hey, what's this life all about? But instead, but instead, whose wisdom should we uh, be discerning? Of course, of course, the Lord's wisdom. Now, what I'm not saying is God doesn't want us to pursue wisdom. I mean, that's, we, we, we've got a whole book of the Bible basically written to us about wisdom. Somebody tell me what book it is. Turn there real quick. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. So, so yes, God gave us a brain. He, he gave us the ability to understand. He gave us the ability to learn, and He wants to take that knowledge and apply it under His direction. In other words, God wants us to pursue wisdom that is under His control. Because we will run it off the cliff, you know, in our, in our own. Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, uh, verse 1, I'm sorry. The Proverbs of Solomon, the, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtility to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. He's teachable, coachable. And a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. 
to understand a proverb and the interpretation of the words of the wise and their dark sayings, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I think it says there in verse in chapter 4 there somewhere, hey, with all thy getting, get wisdom. So absolutely, wisdom is major. I mean, we are to use wisdom. We are to try to obtain wisdom. We're trying to apply the knowledge we've learned, but under the control of God. So back to our text, 1 Corinthians. For what he's saying is, for, for it is written, he's referencing back to Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In other words, if you try to figure it out on your own, I'm going to make your wisdom cloudy. I, I, I'm going to divert your understanding. You're not going to be able to, to get there in your own intellect. Verse 21, or verse 20. And then here, sarcastically, kind of. I mean, that's the way I took it, y'all. You may see something different. but Sarcastically, Paul says, hey, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? In other words, where? Uh, You've got to realize that the Corinthians lived in a culture that placed enormous value on wisdom, philosophy, and expertise. The, the Jews placed a high status on, study, on the studying of the Mosaic Law. So, as we do today. I mean, would you agree, agree that, that in society we place an enormous value on education and what you know and... and, and and how you can uh, have a discussion and, and, and how intellectual you are and how intelligent you are. So here in context, he's saying, hey, where's the wise? Where's the wise? Where is the skilled? And he says, where's the scribe? That scribe there is in the interpreter of the Mosaic Law. And then he says, hey, where, where's the disputer? Where's the debaters? Where's the philosophers of this world? And then he says, Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? He's saying, listen, with all your skill, all your homework, you've studied up, you, you, you can debate well, all this knowledge you have obtained, how do you not get to the truth? How do you miss the truth? I mean, with all this knowledge you have, that's because it's human wisdom. That's because it's human knowledge. That's because they, they chose the acquisition of information as opposed to a personal relationship. You follow me? And people are still doing it today. Look at verse 21. For after that the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. That's what I was just saying. Hey, you said, listen, you're not going to get there. It's, it, it's on my terms. You're going to come my way. There's only one way. You're, you're not going to get there and try to figure figure it out on your own. You're going to need me to show you. You're going to do it in my wisdom and not your wisdom. Verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And God says, hey, we're going to do it my way. The world by wisdom knew not God. The gospel is not something that we can, that can be worked out by logic or philosophy or human wisdom. Again, we talked about Genesis 3. It was all about the acquisition. The fall was all about acquisition of information. So how do we apply that right now? 
there's all kinds of, let me say this, people think that there's all kinds of ways that if I can figure this thing out and use my own knowledge and intellect and my own wisdom, I can somehow prove how I can get there on my own. Because really, it's all about pride. It's all about me trying to figure it out. And, and what Paul's saying here is, for after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You're not going to get there. It pleased God. This is what pleases God. The foolishness of preaching to save them. Now, it didn't mean, I was just joking around with Brother Scott, it didn't mean, does not mean that preaching the word, heralding, proclaiming the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that's foolishness. Okay? Understand what it, what, what, uh, in context, what it means. What it means is something that's so simple that sounds so silly and absurd to everybody else, it pleases God that that simple message brought from somebody who's a simpleton, who's not trying to dazzle, who's not trying to fluff, who's just giving you the clear presentation of what God's Word says. That's what pleases God, and that's what saves them. What's the last word say in verse 21? That believe. Okay? Hey, don't get disappointed. We're all called to preach the gospel, right? We agree with that. We understand that. We're all called to preach the gospel. Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel. We're, we're, we're called to herald, send forth the good news, and share that. But we, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I get disappointed sometimes. We, we get let down. I don't know why we do. It's not up to us. We're not saved. By the way, can I tell you, you ain't saving nobody? I'm not saving anybody. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. We have one thing to do. All we're supposed to do is share in a simple form the gospel, the good news, the simple message. And then, based on us sharing that good news, it's up to them whether they respond or not. So that, so that's, that can free you up, too. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes we go around like with, like, like with my guy, the, my buddy from high school. I'm telling you, I don't know why it took me 30 years to check on the salvation. You know what I mean? I, every time I'd say, I probably need to talk to him. I, pro I probably should. Never did. And you can live in defeated life based on that. Hey, just, it's hard. I ain't gonna lie. But, but hey, there's all kinds of chicken ways to do it now. Text, email. You can do it all. I mean, really. It's the message. It's the message. For after that, the wisdom of God and the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We'll get into verse 22 here, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Jews there, that's obviously the sins of Abraham, Greeks, everybody else. Hey, they, they, they required a sign, uh, a token. Uh, and by the way, Jews wanted to be convinced by miracles with these signs, but they still didn't believe. 
You know, a token is something like this. Like if you're, if you're, and, I, and I've shared this illustration before, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, you're, uh, uh, you're on this diet and, and, and you're trying to cut calories and everything, and then you, you ride by Krispy Kreme, you pray the Lord, hey, if, if, if you want me to have one, you know, you'll make, a, you'll, make a par- you'll make a parking spot right in front of the front door when I go by. And sure enough, about the 30th time around the block, right there it is. That's a token. That's a token. So, so they, they look for a sign. Just like I was looking for a sign when I wanted my donut, but, but I wanted to sign on my own terms. They still didn't believe. So for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Greeks, again, placed an enormous value on human wisdom and philosophy, as we do today. I mean, sometimes, whether we like it or not, we are looked at based on our education, based on our intellect based on our intelligence, based on all kinds of stuff that really don't make a hill of beans, to be honest. But I'll end with this. Evidence and philosophy can lead a person to understand the truth. Would you all agree with that? Evidence and philosophy can lead a person to understand the truth, but it does not force them to accept it. You follow me? I'm going to read that again. That's pretty good stuff. I stole that from somebody. But that, but that is so true. Evidence and philosophy can lead a person to understand the truth, but does not force them to accept it. I'm afraid we got a lot of intellectual Christians running around. I'll be honest. And that's up to them. That's not up to me to determine that. But, but, but I'm afraid that we put so much emphasis on knowledge and acquisition of information that we lose the focus on do you have a personal relation. And so, so we'll wrap it up here, and, and, and I guess in three or four months we'll get to verse 24 or 23, whatever it is. But, but the bottom line is, keep the main thing, the main thing. Paul's saying, listen, there's divisions, there's contention. We need to squash all that. It's not about you anyway. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. We're going to preach the gospel, the simple message of the cross. It's not going to be flowery. It doesn't matter what your, 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 your proclamation is a whole lot more important than your presentation. But keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this uh, morning, God. Just thank you for the message of the cross, God. I pray that we would, we would never get that wrong. I pray that we would never try to prove on that message. Uh, and, and Lord, most important, I pray that uh, if there's somebody here that, that uh, has never believed that message, today would be the day of, of, uh, of salvation, God. Um, and for us, Lord, that are Christians, that are, that are saved by that message and saved by the person of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that we would share it. I pray that, just like your word says, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, I think that's in there because a lot of times we are ashamed. So we just need a reminder, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and salvation. Lord, pray for the upcoming service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.